Hey, it's Katie. And Alana. And you're in for another episode of Black and Yellow. Happy fall. It is with a super heavy heart that we kick off today's episode because this episode is my last episode, me, Katie. Mm. It's been a super, super short run, but I am leaving the podcast to spend more time with my growing family. That's right. I am pregnant. Congratulations. Super excited. Thank you. I'm super happy, super blessed for what's in store, and I feel very privileged and thankful for being able to be a co-host for the short time that I've been able to be on this podcast. Um, I will also continue to post episodes on my Wonderful World of Disney Villains podcast. If you miss me or want to connect with me there, I will be there. Yeah, I'm going to be sad to see you go. And behind the scenes, we've been figuring out the the next way to pivot. So I'm going to be solo casting for a while and then taking a break in December. And then we will be back. Uh, we, myself, and maybe a co-host, maybe mm-hmm. not, we'll be back in January uh, for more episodes. So please stay tuned. But for today's episode, in honor of Katie's last episode, we're going to talk about a topic that is close to both of us. We're talking fashion. We're talking pregnancy. We're talking maternity wear and the impact that it has on our on our environment. Because we both recently learned that the maternity wear world has a waste problem. And oh, we yeah. just felt like we had to talk about it. And uh, if you just heard me say the word maternity or the words maternity wear and almost out of reflex, you want to change this episode, I encourage you not to. Maybe you never have plans to have kids. Maybe you're done having kids. Maybe you're not even at a place in your life where you are even thinking about having children. Maybe circumstances are just not there right now. We understand all of those stances. But as much as this is a pregnant person specific issue, it's also an environmental issue and a feminist issue. Mm -hmm. So with that said, I want to start by asking you, Katie, how many clothes do you buy when you're (laughs) pregnant? Like, do you buy a new wardrobe for the entirety of the time? And what happens to that clothing once, once you're done with it? Oh my gosh. It depends on the person. For me, I'm a, uh, I like to say I'm like a basic person. I just like the solid colors. I don't like the print <laughs> fashion. Like I'm not the I'm not into all the designs and the polka dots and the the flower floral prints and and whatnot. I'm like just give me a black shirt, <laughs> skinny jeans, and I'm Katie's good. Minimalist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um so for me personally, when I went through a pregnancy the first time, um it was winter and I was due in the summer. So I was trying, I know it was super hard because I was trying to plan like, well, you know, ideally I'm assuming that I'm going to get really, really hot Mm -hmm. (laughs) sometime in that time frame. So I went and got like two of everything. I got a black version and then a colored version. Okay. Tank tops, t-shirts, and long sleeve. And I was like, I hope this is good enough. And I got two pairs of um, maternity jeans, the skinny jeans. And I'm like, hopefully this will be enough. And I kind of felt, no, I, I felt weird wearing essentially the same thing every day to work. Like I was only ever wearing like a black shirt or, uh, was the color. I had a, a green, like a forest green shirt and like an orange shirt. Got it. And so I only ever wore like 
the same thing every day. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were talking about this earlier. The place that I went shopping to actually c- was closing at the time right. that I was shopping for Which is maternity. Crazy to me. Yeah, it is, I don't understand why. It was like the only place that you can get maternity clothes like in person. This was before the pandemic. Sure. And they were having like a buy four, get one off sale or something, something wow. extreme. Um, or like buy two, get two off. I don't even remember, but I, I definitely got a steal, but I still <laughs> spent over a hundred dollars. And got it was it. kind of upsetting because I personally did not show um until I think like month six out of nine. <laughs> ah, okay. So you feel like you didn't get your cost per wear with get this my pregnancy. Cost. Okay. And then the got pandemic it. hit. And you weren't um, going anywhere. So then yeah, so I wasn't yeah. going anywhere, which meant I could wear whatever I wanted, which means I didn't have to wear the jeans and the <laughs> So it was just like super pointless unless I was going to a doctor's appointment, in which case they already understood and were like, Yeah, we don't care what you wear. Sure. Um, so for me, it was a waste and I didn't really need to buy a whole wardrobe for it because it was the pandemic. Um, even this time around, we're still in a pandemic. I'm not going anywhere, uh, at least not right now. So I don't feel the need to buy a whole wardrobe. I'm already wearing um, my maternity clothes, though, because second pregnancy, I read at least, you tend to show sooner. Okay. And for me, that meant month two. Wow, I couldn't fit into my jeans anymore. Wow. Okay, yeah. so now the like the maternity investment is now paying off around the second time. Yes, and unfortunately I did have to invest in maternity sweatpants because I only had maternity jeans. Huh. Okay. <laughs> and I was like I'm still at home right now. Yeah. And I don't fit into any of my sweatpants or jeans, like my the ones mm. I would normally wear. So I have nothing to wear on the lower half of my body unless I bought these maternity specific sweatpants. And what do you do with the clothes when you're done? Are you just like, I'm donating them. I'm tossing them like no judgment. Giving them to friends who are maybe pregnant. I inherited a dress from a friend who was like, I'm not having any more kids. You can have it. Got it. Um, There's also... We have a we have a fair next to us, and a lot of times they'll have special events specifically for maternity wear and toys where you can give or Fun. get. Yeah, but it's only I think it's only once a year, and I think I missed it. <laughs> so, <laughs> timing wasn't right. Timing wasn't timing right. Timing wasn't right. Right. Um. But yeah, ideally, it's you know maybe I'll keep them if we are thinking about having another, which we haven't had that conversation yet, so I can't. You sure. Know, say that for sure. Sure. Or, you know, if we decide that we don't, you know, want any more kids and it's not something that, you know, we want to do, then yeah, I'll donate. Or if I know someone who is pregnant, I'll be like, hey, do you want any of these clothes? Or I'll donate to Goodwill or something, something along those lines. But it really Got depends. It. And I feel like the timing is important. Mm, because say more. For my sister in law and my stepmother in law, they were totally done having kids. And then all of a sudden, like seven to 20 years later, they found out that they were pregnant again. Wow. Which means like if you didn't still have those clothes, which I doubt they did because they you were like, oh, I'm done having kids. They had um, to buy a whole new wardrobe. Yeah. Wow. You know, those are those are the um, the surprising and like 
oh my god stories and you're already you know paying for um your kids to go to school and all their supplies and like hopefully maybe starting a college fund or like playing sports or whatever Mm -hmm. (laughs) then you gotta add all of this on yeah Oh, it's a whole thing. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, so, okay, so it feels like you have figured out ways to close the maternity wear loop. So I asked you that because I was just, I'm a nun, I've never been pregnant, but I've, after reading this article and and doing more research on this topic, um, I felt like it was an important one to talk about. So we're going to dig in deeper, but kudos to you, Katie, for closing that maternity wear loop, because Lord knows, like... They can also end up in the landfill if you know if the proper this planning or the proper or the proper strategizing hasn't taken place or another yeah you got to research or another surprise kid doesn't come along either or <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> um, true uh in true black and yellow fashion before we get back into today's episode let's put our money where our mouth is shall we let's do it. This is our small business segment where we like to encourage you, dear listener, to diversify your dollars. We want you to shop black. We want you to shop Asian. And we have spotlighted or spotlit, spotlighted uh, two businesses to help you do that. So, Katie, what you got? So mine is Forager Vintage. You can find them on Instagram at Forage Forager Vintage PDX. Um, so speaking of fashion and environment, uh, I'm assuming their name is pronounced Hazel, founded Forager Vintage to make sustainable shopping more accessible, which is what we're talking about today, essentially. Yeah. Originally, they were pursuing a fashion design career choice. They wanted to make clothes and design clothes, but then they kind of learned in school that this has a very real impact. The fashion industry, creating new things, it hurts the environment, mm-hmm. like what we're talking about today. So yep. Hazel believes in sustainability and the beauty of vintage and reselling, which led them to drop out of fashion design school and work in a vintage boutique. Um, they say that by shopping secondhand, we can avoid creating more waste and we can divert more from landfills that plague our environment. There are so many great and beautiful things that exist already, which we can salvage and breathe new life into. Forager Vintage is located in Beaverton, Oregon. They have everything from bags, jewelry, hats, clothes, to candles, stationery, crystals, and home decor. You can visit their website at www.foragervintage.com for all your shopping needs. Oh, just what I need, another vintage store. <laughs> and I'll happily follow and I'll happily shop. Like, who? How, how many vintage stores does one person need? I don't know. I'll let you know when, when I've maxed out. <laughs> okay. Um. So I chose Pretty Please Teethers on the Instas and the socials. They are at Pretty, Pretty Please Teethers. Say that 10 times fast. Seriously. <laughs> So I bought a fair amount of baby shower gifts. And when I shop, I use a pretty specific formula. What is a useful slash functional gift mm-hmm. that will actually get used? I don't buy baby clothes for sh- a shower <laughs> gift. I just feel like they're cute, but a waste. Plus, yeah, they are. Well, right? Like you never know what size the kid is going to be. So like, again, clothes are very cute, but let's get the functional stuff. Because there's mm-hmm. like the, an entire life to buy clothes for a kid, honestly. Um, and then what's black owned? So you put those two things together, and in this case, it equals pretty please teethers. So 
When mom Kelly had trouble finding safe, stylish, handmade, natural items for her babies, she decided to sell her own. So her teethers, her pacifiers, her pacifier clips, rattles, bibs, and snack cups are functional and beautiful. And if your style is modern or minimalist, this line is definitely for you. That's for me. I was going to say, (laughs) my girl in black, come on, Miss Modern Minimalist. Uh, Pretty Please teether products are eco-friendly, non-toxic, and 100% US FDA and CPSC compliant. I have no idea what CPSC compliant means, but I bet moms do. I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> I bet most do, but I am not one. Got it. Uh, I've gifted these teethers, pacifiers, and silicone bibs from this company. The customer service is really, really wonderful, and the products are really aesthetically pleasing. And as mm. per a new mom friend of mine who has a very sleek, minimalist aesthetic just like you, her her big praise was, quote, looks like baby products that don't scream, I'm for a baby, end quote. <laughs> yes, yeah, 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 totally. So, uh, you know, if, if minimalist, modern teething toys that are eco-friendly and non-toxic is, is what you're in the market for, either for gifting or for yourself, check out Pretty Please Teethers at prettypleaseteethers.com. And I will drop links to both of those businesses in show notes. But let's talk about maternity wear, shall we? Yes, let's do it. So, like, how did we get here with maternity wear? How did we get the maternity wear waste problem? Where did it start? I guess one person could say uh, pretty pretty broadly, well, pregnancy. Uh, pregnant women <laughs> need clothes to wear. Um Seriously, though, the conversation about saving our planet from total ruin and destruction is a nearly daily conversation for a lot of people. And as we know, as you have just said, Miss Katie, fashion is a big culprit when it comes Mm -hmm. to waste. And as more strides are made to create a more ethical and sustainable fashion industry, the maternity wear sector gets largely overlooked, even though it's pretty ripe for high clothing waste potential. I'm looking at you, sexism. I'm looking at you, selective capitalism. We see you. Mm -hmm. And so in their very essence, maternity clothes are basically based around a brief nine-month lifespan and possibly a few months or a year afterwards. But once a person is done with their maternity wears, uh, pre-maternity, post-maternity, or otherwise, the clothing has got to go somewhere. And I did want to mention it depends, right? So some individuals need maternity clothes as soon as like two months in, four months in. For me, it was six months in, depending on the baby. Each baby is different. Each baby gives you different symptoms. Each baby grows at a different rate. And it also depends if it's your first pregnancy versus your second pregnancy where you may still have the extra weight from the previous pregnancy like I did. And so I'm already (laughs) showing And if you experience multiple pregnancies, you may need more clothes depending on the season that you were pregnant before and the season that you're pregnant now. Luckily for me, I'm going to be pregnant at the same time, so I don't have to get new clothes. But (laughs) if I was like pregnant winter and then this time I was pregnant summer, I would have had to buy an entire new wardrobe of like shorts and tank tops. And oh, my God. (laughs) That would have been been a lot. I just hear ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. Seriously. And there is also such a thing as postpartum clothes, nursing clothes for after childbirth, and they're different. Can you uh, just because- break that down for those of us non-moms, but who, but people who still care and want to be informed? Yeah. If you're going to buy um, a gift specifically for mom-to-be, 
it should be postpartum clothes because i feel like i was not i was not thinking about postpartum clothes i was thinking about what does the baby need we need bottles we need diapers we need like all of these things i was not thinking about me and how i might not fit which by the Mm. way you will not fit in your maternity clothes as soon as you give birth as soon as you give birth your stomach starts shrinking and then all of a sudden your maternity clothes are too big but your everyday clothes are too small. So that's why we have postpartum clothes. (laughs) Nursing clothes are different because nursing clothes are specifically if you plan to breastfeed. Mm -hmm. So it's specifically a way to make your clothes um, super accessible for the baby so that you don't have to strip every time you're breastfeeding. (laughs) Unless you're into that kind of thing. (laughs) Unless you're into that kind of thing and you want to put in the work, like if you're wearing a one-piece bathing suit and you're trying to go to the bathroom or you're wearing overalls Oof. and you're trying to go to the bathroom, then you're gonna go get for it. You're going to fully naked. Fully naked. <laughs> <laughs> so there's all of that too, uh, which I, I I did do because I thought I was going to nurse. So I bought the nursing clothes. Got it. Then actually didn't nurse <laughs> because for me, at least, my family was literally over every day and that was kind of a, uh, you know. Deterrent. Um, yeah, was yeah. as comfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, kind of hard to um, sure. nurse in public in front of your family, your partner's family. Mm-hmm. So I just gave it up. So then we got postpartum clothes. So you know, double, <laughs> double everything. Got um, it. And you know, make no mistake, maternity clothes are a cash cow. We were talking about this earlier. Like whether you're buying clothes throughout your entire pregnancy or just for a few months. Retailers know it's a ludicrous, ludicrous. I can't even say it. To be it's time a lucrative time. Yeah. <laughs> like, ooh, I have so much to say about this topic. I just can't even get all the words out. I got you, girl. I got you. <laughs> uh, like, even if you're looking at online websites and you're looking at like the cost, some of the clothing stores that purposely only sell maternity clothes is like super, super expensive. Mm. There's also places like, um. I don't know if they're like everywhere, like Target, Kohl's, all of all of those types of the big brand stores, right? Mm-hmm. Where they sell everything. They mm-hmm. supposedly all have a maternity section, but every time I go, it's like a small corner. Huh, <laughs> and I don't know okay. if that's just where I am or if it's everywhere, but it's like you technically you could still buy maternity clothes and have it cheaper in like sure. a big brand store, but kind of depends on how you feel about that and buying into a big corporate system and also having a very small selection that might not be in your size. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I don't think that's just you. Based on the episode and the research, I think that that's okay. a, a big box store problem. Again, pregnancy wares get overlooked. Hmm, wonder why. Mm. I'm looking at you patriarchy and and women growing babies and children and maybe not being the ideal magazine standard of beauty. But hey, Seriously. we are creating life and bringing it into the world and we deserve to not be naked. I'm sorry. Sorry. No, I agree. I agree. I was like, I don't think that if I do maternity photo shoots that I should be naked. <laughs> like, I, I very much understand that. <laughs> like, I am showing this to my grandparents. Mm-hmm. Don't know if I feel... But of course, if you feel comfortable doing that, that is great. And kudos to you. And you mm-hmm. will look beautiful. Send but us a for shot. Me, for me, I wasn't... I wasn't <laughs> and it was winter, right? January? Mm, oh, no. <laughs> no. No, thanks. <laughs> freezing um but pro tip as of 2018 the maternity wear business was valued at 18.3 billion dollars and it's only growing 
people have not stopped having babies and mm-hmm. expanding at an annual compound growth rate of 4.3% through 2025. Yeah. That is a staggering number. I also, hearing that also weirdly flashes me back to a time pre-pandemic where we were worried about the size of the U.S. population shrinking because millennials and Gen Zers were having kids a lot later. And it feels like now (laughs) we are no longer talking about that. We are no longer having that problem. I could be super Mm -mm. wrong, but I have not heard about that in a very long time. Very seems, long time. This seems to be like a problem on the back burner. Just saying. So just what happens to all of those maternity jeans and ampere waist dresses once they're no longer needed? Katie, I will totally call myself out as a never been pregnant circular shopper. When I say shop <laughs> circular, I mean I shop like vintage and resale and secondhand and thrift. I assume that there were plenty of well-stocked resale and secondhand options for maternity clothes. Mm. Again, that is my my, my like never-been-pregnant perspective. But it turns out that that is not so much the case. Now, to be clear, networks of women lending and borrowing different items from each other has been around forever. And maternity clothing is no different. But that's just one way to offload maternity wares. The resale and rental market has a lot of catching up to do because they do offer maternity wares. Some sites do, but the pickings are slim. So those shopping platforms have not really caught up with the robust need for maternity wares. So what they have is limited. And I'm not saying it's not there, but what I am saying is you have to know where to look. And correct me if I'm wrong, Katie, when you are pregnant and have just a mind full of things to do and decisions to make, the last thing I'm sure you want to do is scour resale and rental sites looking for something that maybe isn't there and maybe sure. might not fit you. For sure. Perfect. Okay. I just want to make sure I'm not like overstepping my bound there. Nope. <laughs> You're good. So with nowhere to offload the clothes, sadly, a lot of these clothes end up in landfills, which begs the question, Why aren't more gently used or even perfectly wearable maternity clothes easily and functionally available to pregnant people? What gives? Society, man. (laughs) 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 Michelle Gabriel, a lecturer in sustainable fashion strategy at Glasgow Caledonian New York College, has some thoughts on this. First, she says a pregnant body, just like many other body types, is outside the aspirational fashion body ideal. Second, the type of brands carried on blue chip resale or rental platforms, which carry higher end fashion, including contemporary designer and above, don't typically make maternity clothing. Shocker. Uh, This isn't to say that marketplaces like The Real Real, Rent the Runway, or uh, Vestiaire Collective don't offer maternity wares. They do. But the offerings are small and often confined to just a handful of brands as per fashionista.com. Kind of like what I mentioned about Target sure. um, and Kohl's and, and other brands like that as well. Mm-hmm. And at press time for the article we cited, they mentioned the that Rent the Runway had 148 dedicated, quote, maternity and nursing styles available for subscribers versus 495 garments in their, quote, vacation section. Yeah, that's a pretty staggering uh, uh, difference in numbers when I think that a common argument for this could be, well, vacation clothing, like, 
Why are people spending more, willing to spend more in that arena versus maternity and nursing styles? And I don't necessarily know if people are looking to spend more in vacation or Mm. if it's just that maternity and nursing styles from a capitalist perspective are not as bankable. Because pregnancy only affects a select portion of the population. Right. It's not something that you can, I mean, you can't necessarily market pregnancy clothing to non-pregnancy people. Mm -hmm. Now you can market it to the fashion heads. I definitely have a couple of pregnancy tops in my wardrobe that I belt and wear in such a way that they're oversized, but very cool and very fashionable. Yeah, they're they're super comfy. Straight off of a maternity line. But I think that in terms of uh, from a capitalist perspective, we don't value the place, uh, the body that the bodies that women are in when they're pregnant and we don't value the money Mm. that they're bringing to the table when compared to all of the other kinds of fashion that can be designed and sold on the Internet. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Again, I blame patriarchy, but specifically, I, bl- I blame uh, capitalist patriarchy. And social media is kind of making a influence, yeah. too. Yeah, 100%. I think that we have a lot. We can thank social media and I guess media writ large for really changing our attitudes on pregnancy, mm. for changing the way that we think a pregnant woman should present herself or the kind of clothes we think pregnant people want to wear. I think that right. that is definitely changing. Quote, high-end fashion resale companies peddle in the same cultural tropes that high-end fashion brands themselves are trading in, the most significant of which is class aspiration, end quote, Gabrielle mm. says. Quote, in falling outside of the narrowly defined version of what is aspirational in fashion, pregnant people are often left out of the higher end fashion consideration. End quote. Again, I think that that's a miss and you're leaving money on the table, but we'll get to that in our how do we solve this problem mm-hmm. portion. <laughs> Um, but actually, just as as you were saying, um, ideas about what a pregnant person is supposed to look like and, and how they want to present, it is changing. I remember in like the early 90s where like you had Demi Moore and I think she was like painted on the cover of Vanity Fair, I want to say. And that was like a very risque photo shoot for the time. But like Vogue didn't mm. have a pregnant person on its cover until 1993. And that person was Brooke Shields. So it's like... They don't just have a regular gorgeous pregnant person. It's like it's got to be Brooke Shields and not until yeah. the 90s, which I do think the 90s were when we started to see a shift in how we perceived pregnant women and pregnant bodies and pregnancy fashion. Mm. Yeah, it's like wasn't in a couple years ago or so where a magazine cover had a celebrity with a breast pump or something and that was like I would believe huge, it. Yeah, it was like a huge deal, I remember. I would totally believe it. I definitely think that we can thank Hollywood and social media and celebrity fashion for changing our attitudes about pregnancy clothing. But I think we still have a long way to go in terms of shaping the attitudes towards pregnant bodies. Like, I think we still have a ways to go. I think that there's a lot of companies out there that'll say pregnancy, it's beautiful. And like what happens to the body is great, but don't necessarily then sell to those people or those messages are made begrudgingly. Yeah. The idea is beautiful, but don't actually show us. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I think that that is that route needs to change if we're actually going to see change in this, in this part of the industry. Mm -hmm. 
But speaking of change, how can we end the waste problem? Well, one option comes from a line called Stork, S-T-O-R-Q, which is a contemporary line of what it calls, quote, daily essentials for pregnancy. Mm. So they're considering maternity wear from the financial perspective. So the question that they're asking is essentially, what if we put a new premium on cost per wear, not just for pregnant people? If all people can think more critically about the clothing that they purchase and how often they hope the garment will last, that's one way to curb the waste issue. Less clothing ends up in landfills if the way that we think about the money that we spend on fashion can change. Mm -hmm. Of course, that would mean having to unshackle ourselves from the fast fashion mindset that has a death grip on our shopping habits and has for the last few decades. A 2016 McKinsey and Companies study found that as of 2014, the average consumer bought 60% more clothing than they had in 2000, but kept each garment half as long. And on average, Americans are throwing away 81 pounds of textiles per person per year. So by adjusting the way that we think about what it means to wear a garment, we can then start to think differently about how much a garment would cost and get a more realistic idea of what it means to be done with a garment before tossing it, before donating Mm. it, before selling it. I think that the way that we make clothing nowadays is different. The quality is not the same as it was when our parents were our age. Um, I'm sure that you've heard your parents, as I've heard my parents say, I've had this pair of shoes or this jacket for 20 or 30 years. Oh, yeah. And anytime I hear that, I'm always like, that's crazy. Like, that's madness. I don't know if I I have a single article of clothing that survived 20 years intact in one piece. And I think a lot of that has to do with the the way that we produce clothing now and, and the fact that we're not producing quality clothing the way that we used to. Maybe it's a business strategy. They make you come back for more. Oh, it's like the old lip balm strategy, the, the chapstick <laughs> strategy, eh? Because well, it reminds me, like, w- like we have slippers in our house, mm-hmm. and like I wear my slippers every day, pretty much everywhere, like sitting, standing, walking throughout the whole huh. house. And yeah, well, also like we have hardwood floors, and they're cold. So ah, <laughs> uh, okay, okay. <laughs> so I'm trying Got to keep it. my feet warm. Sure. Um, but after like a year, they start like separating, like the soles start to separate from everything, you know? Yeah. And so it's like, you can only wear them for so long before they literally rip apart oh, and hard. you can't wear them anymore. Yeah. Maybe it's like a business strategy. Like, hey, if we make clothes that only last this long, but maybe I wasn't supposed to wear the slippers every day, then makes you buy more. Heard. I mean, I I would hope for a pair of slippers. Anyone who's making a pair of slippers is assuming that the purchaser of the slipper is wearing them every single day. If not, that person needs to be shot or at least taken out <laughs> of your C-suite because that is ridiculous. And I hear what you're saying, and I think that your theory holds water. I think that the sad part about why your theory holds water is what makes it so sad is the fact that our landfills are the ones who are yeah. make who are having to bear the brunt mm-hmm. of this cheap clothing cheap clothing that's not well made and and the the need to be a repeat customer or repeat buyer of a product that should last a good amount of time yeah yeah exactly uh 
Michelle Gabriel, she was the the Glasgow, Caledonian, New York college lecturer. She argues that maternity wear is one of the most conscious categories there is. Rather than serving as the ill-fitting black sheep of the apparel world, it could actually lead the way when we consider where clothing needs to go next. She says, quote, because of that well-understood limited use, shoppers are more considerate in their decision to purchase. True. If I'm only going to wear this X number of times, is it worth $100? That's a conversation sustainably advocates, sustainable advocates are hoping people will have every time they're making a clothing purchase, not just when purchasing maternity clothing. End quote. I mean, it's very similar to uh, the, the crunching of the cost per wear suggestion above where I do think that maternity wear... I understand what she's saying about this because let's be real, like moms and women have been swapping ideas, clothing, information, either on or offline for, uh, well, minus uh, the minus offline coming around for hundreds of years. Yeah. And now with in the digital age, there's plenty of ways to disseminate information or clothes. So it would make sense that the maternity wear world will close its um, waste issue. Yeah, or at least develop new practices yeah. for even people who don't buy maternity. To hundred percent. And actually, I'm glad that you said considering uh, reconsidering people who don't wear maternity because I want to say to the high end retailers, why don't you rethink what maternity clothing can be, and then mm. make those clothes. Yeah. I think far too often we think of maternity wear as those smocked dresses, big Literally. oversized clothing, but we haven't really rethought and re-engineered what fa- what maternity wear or mat- what maternity fashion can be. Like it doesn't feel like anyone has has innovated or come up with something that fits that bill that can be fashionable and also make a pregnant woman feel good and maybe call me crazy, she might want to wear it post-pregnancy. I think of things like caftans. I think of things like great wrap dresses. I think of, hmm, I'm not a designer. (laughs) But I I do think that we can re-engineer what maternity wear looks like. And I don't think it has to look like ruffly, frilly. No. Oversized tent. Let's you just don't hide need the a pre- ribbon on the stomach. Nope. Yeah, yeah. Let's just hide the pregnancy because our, our our modern day mental colonization doesn't want us to see the evidence of two people having sex and the a baby growing in the stomach. Like I think that we need to modernize. I'm glad you brought that up because I feel like I was the only one growing up who ever thought it about it that way. Girl, like- no. No, I'm Catholic. I know what that means. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. I'm Catholic. Like, let it be known. It was always a weird thing to me in the Catholic church. Like when I would see someone who wasn't married pregnant and like all of the Catholic parishioners would be like, oh, my God, congratulations. Like she's (laughs) pregnant. And then I'd be like, wait, but like, isn't in your church? Like, don't you believe that you have to be married? Like that's evidence Mm. of someone having sex. So, yes, I've definitely, definitely thought about that. that. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. That's how I felt the first time I announced. I was like, I feel sure. like I'm just announcing that I've done it. Yeah. You're like, I'm announcing I'm no longer a virgin and we did it right. Whatever yeah. right means. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, you're definitely not alone. But um, I do want to end this conversation on this note. When, when we're okay. talking about 
redefining maternity where I think we should also redefine what aspirational means in clothing and in fashion. Mm. Because if you ask me, the ability to create life in one's body is pretty incredible and pretty aspirational. It might not be for everybody, but the people who have stepped up to the plate and accepted the challenge of parenthood want to look wonderful doing it. And my God, they deserve to. Y'all deserve to. You feel like crap the whole time anyway. (laughs) Yeah. No, but that's real talk. I mean, I think that the current definition of the word aspirational in terms of fashion and clothing, it's applied to white, cisgender, thin, able bodies. Mm. But that perspective is so narrow and it leaves so many people with so many different abilities out. It drives me crazy as a non-parent who has watched so many of her friends become parents for the first time. I do think there is something incredibly aspirational about stepping into the new, unknown, scary world of parenting, Mm -hmm. taking on all the fatigue and all the pain and all the joy and all the discomfort in the name of shepherding a new life into this world. I think that's pretty aspirational. And I think we should start redefining what that word means. Ooh, I'm on board. On board, let's do it. Hashtag redefine aspirational. That's our episode, guys. Katie, I'm sad to see you go. Me too. It'll be really weird. It will be really strange. Don't be a stranger. Don't be a stranger. We would love to know once you have a nice, healthy bundle of joy. And also, <laughs> if any, if you do any of your Disney episodes and they feel applicable to the podcast, send them right over. And I'm happy to oh, do well. a little podcast takeover. 100. Yeah. percent I know that. I know that you're leaving before our conversation about Shang Chi. So, yeah, I know, I know, I know. So, yeah. So, if you do an episode like that, bring it on over. And we will. I, you can take over this podcast for cool. a week and talk about it. One hundred percent. Okay. Uh, that's our episode. We are the Black and Yellow Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Black and Yellow Podcast. You can email us podcast black and yellow at gmail.com. I'm Alana Webster. However, on the gram, they call me at Renegade of Fun. And I'm Katie Ohashi. You can find me on Instagram at the Diz Villain Scholar. I will be back next week. Katie will no longer be with us, but we are sad to see you go. Be easy, guys. Hang in there, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.